0: So if you are here for the first time, we are in a series titled Wake Up, Wake Up. And just to set this up, I never want to assume that you've been here. I never want to just speak in terms. You're like, what is he talking about? I always love to set up the context of the heart of the message, the heart of the series. And the heart of Wake Up is simply this, is our culture lulls us to sleep. It rocks us to sleep into complacency, into selfishness, into self-centeredness. And Jesus throughout, and even throughout the epistles, and there is this theme of, The author, who is Jesus, saying to us, wake up. Don't let finances lull you to sleep. Wake up. Man, there's a bar I set for the church, and it's a bar of love, it's a bar of passion, it's a bar of living for the things that I called you to live for. And so this series, we've been trying to share truths from God's Word to wake us up to really the opportunity of living everything God has for us. The opportunity of revival, the opportunity of restoration, the opportunity of changing the world one person at a time. And so tonight's message is titled, Wake Up, and be the church. Everybody say church. Man, you interview 100 people, what is church like? They'll give you 100 different answers. They'll give you answers of people barking in the corner. They'll give you answers of somebody playing an organ at service, and if you raise your hands, they're going to throw you out because that's way too crazy. Again, church is so many different ways, but church is not a service. Church is a people. It's a movement. And the first story I'd love to share with you, it's very simple. Um, I'm going to pray actually, and we'll set you free early. It's amazing. I know you're like, wow, thank you. Uh, one of these days, we're going to do the whole message like this. How's that sound? Uh, Lord, thank you. She's, she's like, that. <laughs> not today. Um, Lord, thank you for Lacey. What a gift Lacey is. Come on, everybody, get up for Lacey. Yeah! 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 I don't know a lot about music, but Lacey's like the best of the best. The Lord Lady really sends the best, and so very thankful for Lacey. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the gift that it is to come into your house. Lord, this is Shadeland's Art Center, but tonight it is the house of God. Your spirit is here. We're worshiping you. We're going to glorify you. So, Lord, bless the message. I pray my words fall to the floor and your words soar. Oh, God, we need you. We need you. And everybody sit. All right, let's get to work. Let's get to work. All right, so wake up. Wake up. Uh, this past week, uh, one of my buddies took me golfing for my birthday. Well, actually, no, we went golfing. It was my birthday week, but we went golfing together. And uh, this guy pairs up with us. We're just two people. And this guy pairs up with us, and he pulls up in his cart and I'm just going to set the stage, Okay. He has a pro golfer bag. It's pure leather. It's gorgeous, okay? He has all the nice newest clubs. This guy looks like a PGA golfer. And I was like, oh, man. I'm not bad, but I'm not great. I'm in between. I'm in the middle, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to embarrass myself, but I'm not going to be like, hey, I want to golf with that guy again. He's awesome. I'm okay, okay? I'll hit some trees when I play. So (laughs) this guy, though, I was like, oh, he's going to be so good. He's not going to like golfing with me. So he gets up there. He gets his driver, and he swings his club. (laughs) And the fairway is straight ahead. But he hooks the golf ball, I mean, like 100 yards that way into the trees. And I was like, I didn't know this. He's like, he was like <gasps> and I was like, oh, my gosh. I was, like, nervous for my life. I stepped back. He put another b- golf ball out. And I was like, oh, maybe he's rusty. Again, into the trees. And I thought to myself, I was like, man, you can't be that guy. And what I mean by that is you can't be the guy with all the gear but none of the game. Yeah. You can't do that. You can't show up to basketball and have the Jordans and the shorts and the tank top. And you're like, hey, you guys want to play some ball? And then they throw it to you, and you're like, whee! You you can't do that. If you're a parent of a kid, just to give you a heads up, don't buy them all the gear right away, okay? You don't want your kid to be the kid with all the gear and none of the game. It's not a good look. I remember being a kid and picking those kids in in basketball. Like, oh, that guy, he's wearing Jordans. I pick him. And then he could barely run down the court. He'd, like, like, kick it up in the hoop. Anyways, so catch this. I believe one of the biggest complaints against the church is the church has all the gear, but none of the game. I'm talking about that. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me unpack this for a second. I believe Jesus uh, despised this type of church. I'll prove it to you in Matthew. It says this. He came on the scenes, and the Pharisees and the scribes, he says this to them. Woe to you, teachers, the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. Basically what Jesus is saying, you whitewashed tombs. Hey, you look the part you got all the gear for Christianity. You dress the way you're supposed to dress, walk the way you're supposed to dress. You even talk it. But when it actually comes to living out what I want you to live out, you are nothing. you got none of the game. And he, he despised it. And what happens in the church, and I believe the complaint against the church in our culture, is the church has the services. They make sure to tell you that you're not supposed to follow these rules. But then when it comes down to actually living out the gospel message of loving a broken world, man, they say, man, you got no game. And I'm not saying that to our church. I'm saying it to myself, and I'm saying it to you. Let's make it a little more personal. Do you have all the gear but none of the game? When you leave these doors, man, do you have the, the love of God in you to actually change the world? Do you have the joy of God to change a climate of a room when you walk into it? My prayer today is when I talk about being in the church is I want us to have a church where people come into Mission Church. And, of course, they enjoy a Sunday morning and Sunday night. But when we leave here, Mission Church is changing the world outside these walls. That you got the game to literally walk into a place and say, man, I'm bringing love today. I'm bringing love wherever I'm at. And and when I get the chance to hit that golf ball, I'm not going to shank it 100 yards left. I'm going to hit a home run because that's what Jesus does. He hits home runs. And so as we go through three points, I'm going to share three simple points that I believe the church is supposed to be great at. Not okay at. I believe you're supposed to be great at it. I believe you're supposed to be the best at it. Okay. And when I share these three points, it's one of those things where how do I put this? um, Feedback. Let's use the word feedback. Uh, Constructive criticism. Who loves being told when they're wrong? Raise your hand. Like, yeah. Not a lot of us are like, oh, you just, I mean, I um, I call it um, uh, different mindsets uh, react to feedback differently, okay? And what I mean by that is if I told you, hey, stop doing that, there are people who are what I call the justified mindset. Well, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand what I'm doing right now. Don't you tell me, you you don't get me. So you, you justify why you're acting that way. Some of you are what I call the quitter mindset. Don't do that. Fine, I won't do anything anymore. I'll just sit in the corner and cry. That's the quitter mindset, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why really that laughs so much. Like, yeah, I, can't. I know a guy like that. Anyways, okay, so the quitter mindset. Then you have other mindsets that I'm just being honest. I call it the apathetic mindset. You just don't care. You don't really think about it. That's one of the biggest complaints in the Old Testament to the church. They're just unconcerned. Your mind says, I really don't care about doing something great. I really don't care about seeing something great. That's just my mindset. I just don't care. And the end of the week, I really don't care what happened. And then there's another mindset. And I would call it the mindset of heaven. It's the mindset of victory. It's, 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 it's a growth mindset. They did a survey. 90% of leaders believe they're in the top 10% of growth, a.k.a. saying that 90% think they've already arrived and they're amazing. That's a very sad stat. When I read it, though, I was like, I thought I was in the top 10%. <laughs> uh, I, I hope I'm in the top 50 now. I want to grow. And I want, it, I want the word to correct me. I want it to challenge me. The way that you receive feedback from the word of God will determine, I believe, the promise and provision of your life. If you can't be shaped by the word of God, say goodnight. Have fun circling the same mountain for the rest of your life. But man, I believe that God has great things for you. And he wants to set you on a path where you could change people's uh, lives and change your own life and be a blessing and then also be blessed. Does that sound good? All right. So let's look at the first, uh, first point well, I think the church is supposed to be amazing at. The first one is simply this. I believe we're supposed to be amazing at being faithful servants, faithful servants. Have you ever met anybody, and I'll talk a little bit about this next week, they love the Lord. like like, They're like, they talk about Jesus all the time, they love Jesus, but they're the worst employees at your work. Have you ever met those people? They're inconsistent, they're moody, but oh, they just love God, okay? I believe that is an oxymoron, not an oxymoron, it just doesn't happen, like, oh, he's a jerk, but he loves God terrible employee, but he loves God. That is not an equation that I believe God wants for his church. I believe he wants faithful servants working at a level that glorifies his name. Just Google the scripture of working at your best, and I'm going to show you a couple of scriptures. But the first thing I believe that we're supposed to have is a faithfulness about us, a faithful servant thing. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 25. You have your Bibles. We're going to start with verse 14, and it's the parable of the three servants. Now, to set up the context of this verse, I'm going to read the first three verses, the first verse, and unpack it. says this in 14, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Stop. So parables are short stories with big truths. They're not allegories. You just don't go straight across. God is trying to show us a big truth. The man on a business trip, he is saying is himself, okay? And he's talking about his second coming. So Jesus is setting this up with his disciples. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave, and I'm going to entrust my gospel message with you. You are my servants. The context is servants. So if you never said yes to Jesus, um, again, receive this. But if you have said yes to Jesus, this is a challenge from Jesus to you. So there's three servants. And what you'll find interesting about these three servants is he gives them things of value. The the, the thing he uses in this parable is money. I think we can all relate to that we all value money. So the businessman gives all these servants money to steward and to take care of. And he says, I'm going to give you this. And when I come back, I want to see this be more fruitful than when I gave it uh, when I left. So here's what what happens. Let's check it out. Another real quick thing is you'll find out that all all servants aren't created equal. It's interesting in a church, even you'll have servants and there's a bar, I believe, to really have a special church you need faithful servants. Not inconsistent attenders, but faithful servants to to set up, faithful servants to love people, faithful servants to lead small groups, faithful servants to meet people on a day when they had a hard day. Faithful servants change the world. I that. Here's what it says. He gave five bags of silver to one two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. Stop. Everybody say invest. I believe one of the greatest things in your life is to invest your time, not spend your time on just things. Throughout this week, you're going to have an opportunity to invest your time in things that will bring return. Invest it in your marriage. See how great your marriage is in a month. Invest it in friendships. A lot of people want friendships, but they don't want to invest in friendships. A lot of people want to be fit, but they don't want to invest in fitness. A lot of people want to have peace from God, but they don't even read their word. A lot of people want breakthrough, but they don't even hang out with the one that gives them breakthrough. You have to invest in the things that you actually want to return in. Do you hear what I'm saying? So it talks about investing. Here we go. Invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he had trusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. I love, I love the truth right here that uh, Jesus shares. The master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. Everybody say faithful servant. Come on. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Stop. I want to I pause there real quick in this, in this moment. I don't know about you, but I feel like I never do enough for God. Does anybody ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like, man, like, oh, I had a great week, but I could have been better. Oh, man, I did this, but I could have done this. I read this many chapters, but I could have read this many chapters. And I want this this parable to set you free. I wonder if this guy came with the five and had an extra five going, did he want 15? Did he want 20? I don't know. I have no idea. And he brings it to him. And I believe that Jesus shows throughout Scripture the thing that he loves is growth. He loves botanical growth. It shows the tree that is planted, it's gonna flourish. It talks about the person that's planted the church, they're gonna flourish. We're compared to botanical growth throughout the Bible. Uh, if you don't know where botanical is, that's understandable. You don't garden, neither do I. I had to Google it. Uh, botanical is this way that plants grow. It's slow, it's steady, but it's healthy, and it flourishes. And the fruit of the Spirit, they are things that are supposed to grow in your life love, joy, peace, and patience. God gives you gifts, He gives you talents, He gives you things that He values. And what he wants you to do with them is plant yourself in the word of God and the church of God and have those things grow. The only bar you should have for yourself is, am I growing? Am I growing in love with the Lord more? Am I growing in in love? Am I loving people? Am I loving the church? Am I doing the things God called me to do? I believe one of the ways the enemy shuts you down and doesn't even have you try is you think that you'll never be able to touch the bar. That's your own man-made bar. God's bar is simply this: Man, grow and posture towards the kingdom. Amen? Let's keep going. Another thing I want to look at this is, well done, good and faithful servant. One of the things I'd love for our church to to, to do and be the church is I'd love for us to answer the cries of the people around us. I believe that Jesus is the answer. I'm convinced that Jesus is the answer for all the cries that we have in this world. And what I mean by that, I'll just use one cry. This is a different message for a different time, but I want to use this real quick. One of the cries that I think people have in our culture is to be known. I think they are crying to be known. Here's how I know everybody and their mom has a, a YouTube channel or a blog now, okay? Everybody. I, I, I even have a blog. I'm just kidding. I don't have a blog. Uh, but I do have an Instagram and a Facebook. It's just part of our culture. Number one thing that people want in our culture is fame more than money and health. Fame. What is that heart cry of, of being known? The Bible shows that, man, we, we, we desire to be known. And again, everybody in this room, if they knew who you were, it would not satisfy the hole in your heart. The only person that will satisfy you being known is you understand that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords knows who you are. He knows your pain. He identifies with it. He restores it. He knows the hairs on your head. And then there's nobody else that you can, in this room, hear this real quick. You can hear a thousand good jobs from everyone in this room is still not satisfy your soul. The only good job that will satisfy your soul is from the King of Kings that says, well done, good and faithful servant. There was a um, uh, Oprah Winfrey. Anybody here, Oprah Winfrey? I heard she's kind of famous. Yeah, okay, good. Okay, if you don't know what Oprah Winfrey is, you are Amish. Okay. Um, so... Oprah Winfrey is very famous. She has interviewed royalty, celebrities, everybody. And this is what she shared at a commencement speech. She said, after every interview, the first question she would have from everybody is simply this, did I do a good job? And she would say, you did a good job. All of us desire to do a good job. And all of us desire, even famous people in royalty desire to hear this, well done, good job. The problem is, is that that wiring in you, the world cannot satisfy that good job. Matthew 25 shows us, man, be a faithful servant and hear the Lord say through his spirit. Hear the Lord say through his word, good, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. And at the end of your life, oh my goodness, just wait. It's going to be amazing. Can I get an amen? All right, let's keep going. I am sweaty. Okay. Uh, Sorry. Let's keep going. The servant who had two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I earned two more. The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Again, I love that even at the moment when you give it to him, that it happens. The Lord loves to celebrate the growth and the progress. Stop and celebrate. just wants to stop and celebrate with you along the journey. I preached a message a few weeks ago, one of my favorite ones I've ever preached, and I preached it to myself. "Is Now, I don't celebrate enough the things God's done in my life and what he's going to do in my life. Celebration is key for a Christian, okay? goes on to say, the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. What an interesting mindset. Some people have a fear mindset. You never try because you're afraid to fail. You have a fear mindset of God. You think that if you do one thing, he's done with you. He had a picture of God and it was not the picture of God, but that was his picture. And again, God is somebody who is unbelievably kind, but the Bible says unbelievably severe. We live in a grace culture because Jesus died on a cross. He goes on to say, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Stop. Very simple. Man, if, if you want to be somebody who becomes the one who actually receives the promise for your life, you have to fall in love with faithful steps of every day. Look throughout Scripture in the Old Testament. There's a young uh, prophet named Samuel. Comes on the scene, and he's serving Eli, another priest. And these two other priests that are sons that are enjoying all of the fruit of of Eli, they're eating all the offerings that are coming in. It says that the Lord is moving the chess pieces like crazy. He's moving all kinds of things all over the place. And it says, meanwhile, Samuel grew in the presence of God. That's it. That's all it says about Samuel in that moment. Samuel has no idea that at the end of this season that God is going to say, I'm going to have you be the prophet over all Israel. There's going to be a theocracy. I'm going to be king, and you're going to be my mouthpiece and my leader. All Samuel knows is that today he's supposed to grow in the presence of God. Then it keeps going on. And then it says that the Lord comes to Eli and says, hey, your sons have dishonored me. Therefore, I will not honor them anymore. And he says all these things. And then at the very end, all it says is, meanwhile, Samuel is serving uh, uh, Eli as an assistant. Meanwhile. Meanwhile, all he's doing is serving his assistant. Hey, uh, Samuel, go get me another basket. Hey, Samuel, go clean this part. Hey, Samuel, go take care of this. Meanwhile, Samuel served. A faithful servant named Samuel, honored years upon years, and then eventually he became the prophet of all prophets in that era. Man, some of us in this room, I was going to tell you real quick, you need to fall in love with meanwhile. Meanwhile, this week, you're waiting for that grandiose moment. Oh, if I could just have that one moment, then I'm going to be the greatest. I just want to hit a grand slam. Man, just get a bunt and get on base this week. Just, just, just try. Meanwhile, meanwhile, meanwhile. There's something about the church today that you look at the other people in that same story, Saul. Saul would have this grandiose statement. He would simply say this, all right, nobody's eating till we have victory. He loved the grandiose statements to have the grandiose victory, and it was always foolish. He never prayed about it. And then he's having a hard time with David. He goes, I'm not eating anything till the very end. I'm not going to eat, and he's barely passing out. Grandiose statements to create victory. But Saul couldn't be faithful to the small things, but he wanted the big thing to fix everything else. Let's make it real. Let's talk about a marriage. Ladies in the house. If you're married or single, I want to do a survey real quick, okay? We're going to do fun church survey. Would you rather have 500 roses once a year or a rose every day from your man saying, I love you? Every day with a rose? Raise your hand. Once a year, I love you and 500 roses. Okay. Thank you for not ruining my survey, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I love once a year, I love you. <laughs> Hear this real quick. Great marriages are built by faithful servants. I, people always wonder, like, oh, you know, you want to know what's sexy to me? Faithful servant. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's hot. Like, if you're a young adult in the house, okay, the hottest thing on the planet is a faithful servant. Come on. That was kind of weird, but okay, yeah. <laughs> Woo, faithful servant. I'm telling you, you want to have a great marriage, the bad boy who just plays hard to get that's not going to be a great marriage. My wife and I, we have a great marriage. I'm a faithful servant. Would you like more coffee? Okay, you're welcome. All right, literally, she wakes up with more coffee, heat the coffee, oh, I'm gonna go get the coffee. I'm coming back with the coffee. Faithful servant. You're laughing at me, but I got a great marriage. Here's what I know. All I got to do is fill up coffee for 10 minutes in the morning, and then I'm good for the rest of the day. Straight up. Boom. But if I was trying once a year, my wife and I were having a terrible marriage, okay, a thousand roses, I want petals everywhere, give it to her. And then she gets it, oh, thank you. And then I just go back to be myself. And I'm taking no ground back. Be a faithful servant. You want to you you get promoted at work? You want promotion? A lot. This is something that' just, sorry, this is something that has driven me nuts in my life, and I feel like the Lord showed it to me in this season. Do you ever meet people who don't know the Lord, but man, they're just bawling in life? You're like, how in the world did you get blessed like that? Why you got all that and all that and all that? And I love Jesus, but you got all of it. What's up with that? You want to know what it is? They honor the stewarding of the principles more than you do. The stewarding of the parables. The principles of God cannot be revoked. God honors a steward. I'm not saying he blesses a steward. I'm saying this. If you do the principles of God, you're going to succeed in life. Some people don't even know the Lord. Honor the principles better than the sons and daughters of God. Man, I want to honor what God told me to honor. He gave me a marriage. I'm going to be a faithful servant of marriage. He gave me a church to pastor. It's his church. I'm going to be a faithful servant to you. I'm going to be a faithful servant to this place. I'm not trying to have one grandiose service. And be like, we're gonna have the greatest service. Right? No, you know what I'm gonna do this week? I'm gonna meet with people. I'm gonna pray with people. I'm gonna get my face. And I'm gonna pray. I want to be a faithful servant so God can bring faithful return. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Yeah. This evening, eh, whatever. Yeah. Sorry if I was yelling at you. But again, I I'm gonna this is gonna piggyback on the next point. I believe for the church to be just all gear and all game. Be the MJ of the game, if I could put it that way. You need to become the best you. And I Trust me. Okay, hold on a second. I wanted to have a different point. I couldn't think of a better title for my second point. Become the best you. Turn to your neighbor say, be the best you. I mean, it's just such a cheesy statement. Am I right? Sounds terrible. Thanks, homie. I was about to fall. Thank you, Um, Don. But I believe this. And and I'll unpack two verses that show this. And there's, again, I love rhythms of God. Read Read the Bible. You'll see rhythms of what God delights in and what brings promotion and what brings return. And again, greatness is a kingdom quality. You need to hear that. Greatness, it, it's not a world quality. It's a kingdom quality. We, 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 we literally worship the almighty, Alpha Omega, the greatest of the greats, okay? And so greatness is a thing that we should is a desire, but we should do it the kingdom way. And so I believe that everybody in this room, you need to become the best you. And I want to read you a verse real quick. David is, again, just a shepherd at this time. And Saul is looking for somebody to play the harp. And not just to play the harp like I would, like, you know, like, get that guy out of here, okay? So they're looking, and here's what they say about David. All right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He's also a good-looking dude, and the Lord is with him. Translation says, and he's a fine-looking man. Stop. Yo, he is awesome warrior. Plays a great harp. Makes good judgment. Oh yeah, and he loves the Lord. It's like the last thing the person says. You need to hear something real quick. People that you're around outside of these walls, the first thing they're gonna notice is how you live your life and if you live it to the best of your ability. The best is not being better than uh, than the person to your right or left. It's being the best that God put in you to bring to Him. Do you hear what I'm saying? I so feel like we sometimes think the best is I can just be better than the person next to me, then it's my best. No, the best is whatever you are to God and whatever you can give to him, bring your best to him. I'll show it to you. It's, it's in scripture, Genesis 4. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. Two totally different races. You can't compare, uh, uh, look at my crop and look at my sheep. They're totally different. So two brothers, two totally different things are called a steward. Two totally different ways that they, can, they can't really compare their lives. But watch what happens here. Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Just, here's some crops. Abel also brought a gift. The best. Everybody say best. The best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. I think a lot of people are mad at God. It says in Proverbs that man ruins his life because of his own folly, yet his heart rages against the Lord. Don't expect God to just get... Lord, give me a little more money. And God's saying, you can't even steward 100 bucks. Why would I give you a 1,000? A lot of you, like, you're like, oh, God, I need more provision. Why? So you can charge more credit cards? You don't even know how to steward your money. God, give me more friends. Why? All you're going to do is unforgive them and hate them. Why would I give you them? These are things that, like, again, you get angry at God, but God's just simply saying this. No, you have to steward. It's an inside-out kingdom. This has to become everything I called it to be. Let's keep going. Do you ever meet somebody who's just gifted at everything and it drives you nuts? A lot of questions tonight. And I don't usually preach this way with all the questions. I, I'm very interactive today. And you're probably, if you're first time, you're like, am I supposed to say something right now? You're asked, it's like the seventh question. Are you reading my mind? Hear this real quick. One of my buddies, super talented, super talented guy. Tom, is Tom Glazer in the house? Where's Tommy at? Tommy G, where's he at? I, I, he might be here. I can't see. Okay. There's Tommy right there. Yeah, it's good. Tommy. Tommy G, he's one of our council members. And when I read this verse in 1 Samuel uh, 16, it says that he uh, plays the harp well. Tom plays a a killer guitar, okay? Uh, He's also a great warrior. Tom is in jujitsu, okay? He will choke you out in two seconds. Don't mess with him, all right? He showed me like one move this week, and I got afraid, okay? Um, So he's a great warrior, okay? He is a man of great judgment. Tom leads a great company, makes great decisions, okay? And last but not least, oh, yeah, he loves the Lord. No, real quick. I thought maybe this guy's not good at fixing Jeeps. I brought my Jeep over so he could help me put the top on. I held the flashlight, and he did everything, okay? I was like, this, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. Yeah, I mean, literally, I haven't found something he's not good at, which, again, I love him, but still, kind of, it kind of bothers me a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, okay, Lord, you gave him like seven tools in his toolbox, and I just got this hammer, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my hammer. Okay, just I'm keeping it real, all right? I want you to catch this real quick. This is, this is how it works. God deposits gifts in you. And they're under attack from the enemy you are supposed to discover those gifts and then you're supposed to develop those gifts and then you're supposed to be determined to use those gifts to build his kingdom he deposits them you discover them you develop them and then be determined to share them with people come on now that's when you become the best you you got to get on a journey and find out what you're good at if i'm being honest if i didn't preach and and love people I honestly don't know what I do with my life, okay? This is my one hammer I have, all right? This is it, all right? Tommy and I go golfing. He's like a scratch golfer, and I'm golfing in the 90s, and he's like, yeah, the whole damn ball game. Anyways, um, I got my hammer. I discovered it. I'm trying to develop it, and I'm determined to use it for the kingdom. Now you, come on now. This is where the church is good. You have to find out what is my hammer? What is my wrench? What are the things that God gave only me that I could bring to the kingdom, and I could change the world? What does the best me look like that could change the world? I want you to hear something real quick. People make decisions about you when you're not in the room. Hear this again. Most decisions about you will be when you're not in the room. And so live a life when you're not in the room where people will say, man, he makes great judgment, loves the Lord, great at the harp. (laughs) Why not? Just be great at the harp. Bring it back. I think our church, we can make it cool. I want to tell you something real quick. One of the things that we did when we started building the team, man, I had to make big decisions. I believe that the circle that you surround yourself with, the Bible shows, man, the the, the character of the people around you and the company that you keep, it is the trajectory of who you're going to be. And Jesus is the one that you should be closest to. And then the people around you that should be people that are fostering the same thing that Jesus is fostering in your soul. So when I was making decisions, this is what I said to myself. To we'll share a couple uh, things with you. First one is this: When I was debating on who to choose for our council, I knew that I had to pick some people of great character, men or women. And so, as I prayed and processed, you heard me talk about Tom. But these are the things that I thought to myself and said out loud to my wife when I was processing it. And Tom loves his wife. And Tom loves his kids. He leads his family well. He is faithful to his church. Man, I've seen this guy for the last six years. He's faithful to his church. He's successful in work. He's great at what he does. That, that was attractive to me. He did, did the best. He, he, he leads a steel company. He's great at what he does. And then last but not least, I remember this, man. He is generous to all. Man, he will overflow love. If you want to hang out with somebody and just feel good about yourself, hang out with Tom. I call him Tommy. I hope that's okay. Hang out with Tommy. And the second person as I was processing, Michael Chu, who preached last week. I remember processing this and talking to my wife, and I simply, these are things that came to my mind. Man, he loves and leads his family well. You're going to hear a lot of the same ones because these are things that are important to God, therefore they're important to me. These are the things, that's a faithful servant stuff. He just is not, not nice to his wife once in a while. Man, he loves his family well. He leads his family well. He serves his family well. Man, he opens his house to people. Man, they're, they're always inviting people. They want people to feel loved. They want to create community because God is a God of community. I saw that. I was like, man, I want that, I want that in my life. And the last but not least, I said, remember this, man, he is successful in his job. There's another one, man, he, he, he is successful at what he does. I'll never forget, there was a person that came to church because of this very reason. They said, hey, so why'd you come? Because I saw the, outside, the grass outside. The grass? They're like, yeah, if you can take care of the grass that well, then you can take care of me, I'm guessing. Come on, I want you to hear that real quick. If you can't take care of your own life, why would anybody come to you to ask if you can take care of them? Help me get to where I'm supposed to be if you can't take care of your own stuff. And I'm not saying for you to be perfect. One of the greatest testimonies is when we show people, man, check out this mess. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're a freak. I know, right? <laughs> Jesus loves me. Let's keep going. When we were choosing our staff and I was hiring people, pay was nothing, but still, I was hiring people. <laughs> you want to make zero dollars and work for Jesus? I'm in. Yeah, all right. A lot of napkins have been written on. Hey, hold on to that one. Th- $10,000 from Jesus. You're- I'm was kidding. Um, we now pay, kinda. We pay. Um, we pay, we pay. We pay stipends and we pay salaries. Um, Caleb, when I was processing Caleb, these are the things that he was in the room. I-, I-, I literally processed these things. Man, ever since I've known that kid since eighth grade, he's loved Jesus with all his heart. Man, it- 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 what eighth grader asks you, what 8th grader asks you, can we go in a Devo before school? I'm like, man, I don't want to wake up at 6 a.m. before you. I got to sleep in, bro. I'm a youth pastor. I, I woke up. I picked that kid up at 6 a.m. We'd go to Starbucks, and we'd read the word, and I'd drop him off at school. What 8th grader wants that? That's never died in him. It's, it's still passion today. Shane, our production pastor. I served with Shane in L.A., and when we were flying back from a church, His name popped in my head because man, I was like, man, we need a production pastor. We need somebody to steward this part of ministry that is such a big deal for people to see the gospel, hear the gospel, and steward it. Not only steward it, but steward it with a love that's from the kingdom. And so I started thinking about Shane when I was at Media City. He was there early serving, and he was leaving late serving. And the whole time he served, he served with joy and a smile on his face. For every year that I was with Shane, I never saw him blow up on one person the whole time I was there. And I I told Rachel, I said, I'm going to call this guy named Shane. I'm going to ask him to come up and be our production pastor. And I'm going to ask him to come up and basically pay him nothing, but maybe he'll move his whole family and just do it because he loves Jesus. And so I remember calling Shane, and the Lord told him yes, and him and his wife, Carrie, that we love to death. They moved up here. But the reason why Shane got the call from me was not because he made one grandiose statement. It's because he was faithful for year after year in front of me, serving God, and he was talented in what he did. He was talented in something that I don't, I would explode these TVs if it was me, okay? I'm almost done. Casey, Casey, our, yeah, come on. You're like, if this is your first time, like, does he talk about everybody like this? Yes. All right. Uh, this is—I I want you to hear this real quick. Casey, when we were starting this journey, we—I remember it was after our first or second service. She's just serving. She's trying to help here and she's helping there. And Rachel comes up to me and goes, do you, "Do you see what Casey's doing? She's administrating everything." And again, I'm not the most administrative person, and that's one of the first things that you need to have on your team as a church is somebody who can administer and really be the logistics. So the blood. The heart. If this is the skeleton, that can flow everywhere. That the love of God can flow everywhere. There's no that, that that no balls drop, so people feel loved. When you shoot an email, if you shot it to me, all at me, there'd be a lot of offended people at our church. I'm just gonna be honest. I remember saying to Rachel, and me and Rachel talking, man, she, she has such a hunger to become everything God called her to be. And she loves people so well. She's always meeting with people who need to meet. Her her time, she gives it away all the time. many sad, come over. She's always with people. She loves people. Rachel, we gotta hire her. I want you to hear this real quick. If you want the things of God and to walk through the door, man, start stewarding your life at a different level. Start bringing your best, whatever it is, wherever you're at, just bring that best because here's the deal. God is the promoter, not man. He will bring provision to your company. He'll bring provision to your family. He will promote your family. This is not some... pros. Isn't it weird that prosperity is such a polarizing word in church? It's either like evil or it's fantastic. You know what I'm saying? Like, tell me more. Um, Man, the goal is never prosperity. The goal is Jesus. But man, it's not a bad news gospel. It's not a poverty gospel. It's not even a prosperity gospel. It is a Jesus shepherd who came to give an abundant life gospel. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm going to finish with this. So let's recap real quick. The first thing that we need to do as a church to have all the game is to be faithful servants. It's not the greatest, like, oh, I want, I want a better statement. No, that. that That is unbelievably powerful. If you just write that down, I'm going to be a faithful servant this week, just watch even how your life starts to change. Man, I hope that happens. Second thing I just simply said is, man, you need to become the best you. Whatever your tools are, become the best at it. So when people talk about you behind your back, man, they brag about the best you. Last but not least, the church is going to get really powerful, really impactful when everybody's preaching the gospel, when everybody's preaching the gospel. Here's what I mean by that. I'm going to read you Psalm 19, Psalm 19 got a little bookmarker in here. If you're wondering what my bookmarker in my Bible is, it's a ticket stub from the Warriors. Courts, courtside. A1, seat one, straight up. Where's my boy Nick at? I love you, Nick. I love you. I love you. Nick goes, hey, you want to go to a game with me? I thought like, oh yeah, sure. I had no idea. We kept walking to the seats. I was like, where are we going? Sometimes I just look at this ticket. So I know that. So look at it. Anyways, okay. Psalm 19. I read it earlier. I'm going to read it one more time because it's that powerful. C.S. Lewis, and nobody in this room can argue with C.S. Lewis. Don't even try it, all right? If you don't know, C.S. Lewis is one of the greatest theologians, greatest authors of all time, uh, apologetics. I mean, he's mere Christianity. If you haven't read it, have fun, okay? Psalm 19, he says that it's the best psalm there is and one of the greatest lyrics of all time. I'm going to read you the first four chapters, but I encourage you to go home and read the whole thing. It's one of the most powerful psalms that you can read. But he says this, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. How does that happen? No words, but everybody knows about it. No words, but everybody knows about it. You could say simply this, for a lack of a better term. It is a silent sermon. It is a sermon being preached by the creation that God's created them. Your life is a silent sermon. It is going to preach God, or it's going to preach selfishness, or it's going to preach the world. It's going to preach brokenness. It's going to preach whatever your mindset is. Whatever you live your life is, you're preaching some kind of way of life. It just says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Let's keep going. Some of the greatest stories in all the gospel are not people preaching. It's them living their life. I think one of the greatest sermons ever lived is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some kids call Shadrach, Meshach, and Winnebago. All good, all good, little guy. Sure, Winnebago. <laughs> they go into a fire because they say, "I don't want to be. I'm not going to be like this world. I'm set apart. My worship's for God only. I love God. If me loving God's going to get me in trouble, then sign me up for trouble because I love Jesus." They throw them into the fireplace, big old fire thing, and guess what happens? They're dancing in the fire. Okay, this would be my dance. Okay, be the magic yo-yo. Like, oh my gosh, are you doing the magic yo-yo in the fire? Yes, they are doing the magic yo-yo. They're dancing. They come out of the fire, and they don't smell like it. They just got burned up. The reason why that's one of my favorite sermons of all time is a lot of people in this room, you've been thrown into brokenness. But because of Jesus, your life doesn't look like brokenness. Your sermon is restoration. You don't smell like brokenness. You don't smell like abuse. You don't smell like cuss words. You don't smell like any of those things because Jesus was with you when you were being broken and he was restoring what the enemy was trying to destroy. Lazarus, one of the greatest sermons of all time. He didn't really say anything. He was just dead. Talk about a pretty easy way to preach a sermon. But man, Jesus was saying, I'm the resurrection and the life. Mm, But I need to show him I'm the resurrection and life. Are there any volunteers that I can show them that I'm the resurrection? Anybody that wants to be a part of my sermon? I guess Lazarus volunteered. Maybe he didn't know, but he did. And so Jesus has this moment where he says in the Gospels, Jesus Jesus says simply this, Lazarus, come forth, and a dead man came to life. A man who was in bondage in a cave came out of it. And some of you may be saying, man, why does my story have so much death in it? Why does it have so much brokenness? Here's why. Jesus wants to preach a sermon with your life that simply says this, I'm the resurrection of the life. Look at what I did to my son and daughter. Jesus wants to use your story to preach the greatest messages. The woman who poured out the alabaster jar of perfume, she'd say nothing. But that story is told still today because her life is a sermon. I'm not saying this for brownie points. It's just something that's impacted me more than most things in my life, and it's my wife. One of the greatest sermons I've ever seen lived is I met a girl who was on the fast track at Sony, making six figs. She's serving at church like crazy. She's basically working to serve the kingdom. She's not working to advance at Sony. She falls in love with a 6'4 guy named Tyler. You're welcome. (laughs) We're married for four months. She's given her education to this career, everything. We pray and process, like, hey, you want to move up to Danville and do ministry together? You want to make $20,000 a year? That's literally what she got paid. You want to take a over 50% pay cut with me and go up to Danville? And it wasn't like a fine, I'll go. It was a, I get to build a kingdom with my life. I get to go up, and I'll walk away from this. I'll say yes to 20 grand. I'll live in a one-bedroom apartment. I'll walk away from all this if I get to build a kingdom. Man, I want to build the kingdom with people like that. I never walked away from six figs. I walked away from poverty, and now I'm rich. To myself, at least I'm rich. You know, I live in a duplex, but I feel rich. You're in the house, and you know who you are. You have sacrificed for God, and he sees it. Keep sacrificing, because, man, that message is getting better and better. Preach the sermon of your life. Man, the the church is going to get nasty powerful. Come on, I'm going to use nasty. It's going to get good. It's going to get real good. When the world offers you everything, and you say, I'm out. I want the thing, and it's Jesus. Man, when you see people live that life, it inspires you to give up things. I don't know if I would have planted a church if I didn't see Rachel sacrifice. I don't know. It would have been too scary. I grew up poor. I had a good salary. I had a golf membership even. I didn't know that was possible. I didn't tell anybody when I worked there because it was kind of weird. Hold oh, on, you got a golf membership pastor? That's not biblical. Um, but man, my wife's life inspired me to live out my sermon and live a life that inspires other people to live out their sermon. Does that sound Good.